hello. Uh, hi, Russell. How hi, are Joe you? Marco. I'm good. How are you? Fucking terrible. One, two, three. You're listening to The Downside. The Downside. With John Marco Cerezi. Hello. Uh, I realize Russell doesn't have headphones, so you, you, I'm here. I'm listening to this very fun theme music, and I'm like, "Come on, Russell, get, no, I'm get good. into it." No, I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, hello. Welcome to the downside. I think this will be episode uh, one. Hello, Russell. You're not going to use any of the other ones that we've done. Maybe they'll be released as Patreons. I don't know yet. I'm oh, still Mike. figuring this out. We're we're going to take a picture of this setup. It is truly chaos. Somehow, I've sunk thousands of dollars into this nightmare. And it's it's thousands to go. Yeah, uh, Russell, it's very good to see you. Good to see you too. You you had uh, a quite a trip here. You said you took the first yeah. subway in a long time. Yeah. Well, so I had COVID in November, and um, I haven't been on. I work from home, and so I haven't had many things to do. Once in a while, I'll take an Uber. Places, mm, sure, uh, sure. If it's like once a week, if I go, a lot of exposition with this story. Uh, <laughs> well, so I took my first um, train today on the way here, uh-huh. and uh, of months of not being on the subway, and I came down and I stepped on the first car, and only one other person, and it was a homeless man jerking off. Now, this and a real jerk off, like a real, real jerk, like like he was close. I, I thought at first, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was he was just there, and he looked angry that I was getting on board, mm. and and <laughs> I uh, it's like when something pops into your mind as you're trying to. Well, like, I've been I've lived in New York for years, and I've not seen I've not seen that. Yes, yeah, but a lot of people see it. It's not that. Well, it unusual, reminded me. But, I wanted to bring up because uh, this was early in my my comedy uh, sketch comedy days. I did a sketch comedy yeah. a sketch with you, and. uh you, I like many early. Co- what's an easy punchline? It's a homeless guy. So the sketch was: I was with a woman. We were going back. We had to take the subway, and we yeah. were trying to keep the sexual momentum going. Mm-hmm. So we're making out all over New York as we waited for the trains. It actually ended up being a fake commercial for Uber. Yeah. And your job, you came on. We shot this on the train. Was that we were making out, and you were a homeless guy, yeah, masturbating to yes. us making out. <laughs> so. And and of course it's it's like sketch comedy homeless person which is always like a smudge of dirt on the face yeah. a slightly loose sweater yeah and as we're filming it in truly just a moment of oh I'm a piece of shit an actual homeless man gets onto the train do you remember an actual homeless yeah. oh, man got no. onto the train no. and I mean like he should have, I should have offered the role to and him you, it was you so... guys were trying to dirty me up and make me look worse and then you're like and then we were filming and he 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 sat down right next to me <laughs> right next him. to me and it was the worst <laughs> thing to feel like I was and just we like making, can we just stop like we, we just it was horrible it was a moment of like oh I'm terrible for making fun of this B we really missed the mark you looked you looked I quite was, not I mean, I was you looked like pajamas. an NYU student yeah I was wearing like nice sweatpants and, and I would have offered him the role but it wasn't paid to begin with so I think that wouldn't help either yeah so it's just one of those lessons. Just, just you, you don't you, be careful. Obviously, the home homeless people are a great metaphor comedically. I think because it's the kind of thing where you see suffering in front of you that you're not doing something about. Yeah. So I have jokes that involve you know the the, the shitty way we behave when we see a homeless person. But you got to be careful. It becomes an easy punchline of like a pfft, homeless guy. I, I I was mistaken for a homeless person one time though. Um, what we should have filmed. I it. no. That was a I great was. Time for a sketch. I was like you know it was I was just wearing sweatpants and and uh, 
uh, and <laughs> and I had like a longer beard and longer hair at the time. And uh, but I was like, it was like an early Saturday or Sunday morning, and I was on this train all the way down to like uh, Fulton Street. And uh, this woman got on the train with like three giant carts, you know, the big the grocery cart, like uh-huh. uh, filled with stuff. And she kind of placed it. I was like in the side of the corner. She kind of placed it all around me in like the corner yes. of the thing. So and then she sat down on the other side of it. So it was like a wall between us. But I was kind of blocked in. Yeah. And then I like stopped paying attention and and everyone else was coming coming on. And then I looked suddenly and I realized that what she had done is she blocked all of her stuff. So I was blocked in. Then she went and sat down at the other end, at the very far end of the cart. And so it was just me with all the ba- with all the oh, things. God. And so everyone on the subway was looking. It was this weird thing to look up and be like, oh, I'm the like I was like. <laughs> I'm the homeless person. And then I had to get off. And so I moved the carts and I left. <laughs> and, and the people were looking at me like, you're going to leave oh all your stuff? God. And she was just at the other end of the cart reading uh, reading a paper. Like, just like, put it, not my shit. You know, she was like sitting at the other end. But I had to move and everyone was like looking at me like, That's why are you leaving your shit That's the people looking us? at you like, yeah. you fucker. Yeah. I wonder um, if she did it as a prank. Whenever she sees a guy I don't know, who's looking funny. a little It was rough. funny that she was reading a paper. She was just like at the other end reading a paper. I think it's funny. Every time you put on sweatpants, people are like... Like, oh, look at this Here's poor son of a bitch. <laughs> um, well, uh, this is good. I'm just going to check. With, it's okay. We can get uh, behind the scenes. Everything looking okay, Mike-wise? Russell, you, keep it close. Uh, oh, am I low? Yeah, I think because our guest oh. is a stand-up, I'm a stand-up. We know we're like, everyone has to hear every okay, word we okay. say. I got and you. you're a normal human being. I have this, uh, this is the first time we've had, we actually have four people in this very small, small. living room. Once advertised as a second bedroom. <laughs> uh, I used to tell people I lived in a two-bedroom by myself, and I was like, this does not count as a bedroom. But I, this pipe behind me, if you ever watch the video clips, it's boiling hot. And so I have to be very careful because I just mm. sat back and it really hurt, but I didn't want to interrupt your very good story. All right, look, we got to get back here. Um, so here's what I wanted to say that's just bugging me a little bit. It's been bothering me. Um, Russ, I've told you about this. I, I had uh, people keep reaching out to me. I did this tooth whitening commercial. Um, and this is, I keep getting people reaching out. I did this tooth whitening commercial in 2012. And uh, I signed a 10 year contract. I was a new baby in New York, I was a new baby actor. And uh, I signed a 10-year contract. I got paid in tooth whitening product. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, it used to air like on those cable channels. I I had like a friend who had satellite growing up. And you go to his house and you watch the Playboy channel. Like channel number 5,633. That's where this used to air. But I think because of coronavirus, uh, they ran out of commercials. And now they're airing this shit on CNN, (gasps) on Fox, on CBS, major, major channels. And... Everyone keeps writing me, and I just feel like I, I'm i angry about it. I want money. What do you do in the commercial? So I synced up. This is the audio of me doing a tooth whitening testimonial. Results were awesome. Power swabs was easy to use every day, and each day I could see it better and better. And from beginning to end, it's definitely whiter. <laughs> uh, they look clean. They feel clean. Um and people have made comments about it, which is nice. Call for your five-minute solution to whiter teeth. So, the results were awesome. So it's just a testimonial. It's a oh. testimonial, but it really it's, it feels kind of a. Uh, it, it's it's also like hearing myself lie. Like I'm just lying, and yeah. I, and I'm I'm giving my acting skill four years of acting training to be like people have been making comments. But about they sent you so how long. Teeth. For ten years. So did you get to No, I did not get ten years for, worth of project. Oh, that would have oh, been nice. Okay. I got like two weeks worth of tooth whitening products and that was it. And the food sucked too. 
it's all unforgivable. Yeah. So I just I wish I, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself being in an infomercial is not a credit that will become useful ever. Yeah. And then don't sign a ten year contract for anything. Yeah. I mean that's a really long time for for anything. It is nice to be on TV though occasionally. And speaking of being on TV. We have a man. He's been on TV a bunch of times. I'm, I, we're very lucky to have him. He's a he's a, a stand up comedian. He has been on Conan. He's been on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He's been on Comedy Central. We just did a movie that we don't know when it's gonna come out. Who knows? Maybe we could never. be we could be dead by the time it comes out. It is my friend Matthew Broussard. Hello, Matthew Broussard. Welcome to the Downside. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. You're, you're, are you doing okay? I'm doing okay. You're doing okay. So we were in this Some movie. Better. I did stand up last night, and I just forgot how much that boosts my mood for days. It, well, that's that's one of the biggest two. things. Yeah. I I sometimes sometimes before I said I get a real dread, or I'm like I don't want to do this, and then I always walk off, and I just feel like it lasts for many many hours. I'm like, why am I in such a good mood this morning? I didn't sleep that well. I didn't even drink that much coffee. I'm like, oh yeah, because I had two sets last night. So where where were they? Um, my girlfriend's show. Uh, yes. which they moved to a new venue that's uh, outdoors and uh, really good. And uh, and then I, I snuck into the cellar and performed in the... Uh, I, I had dinner at the cellar, as you I'm dinner. supposed to oh. say. Oh, oh, yes. Wow, what yeah. a good dinner. How long did you have dinner for? How long was your Dude, dinner? Like 16 minutes, and then I brought up Dave Attell. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a dinner. That's exciting. He's so fun to watch. I did a show with Dave, Dave, Dave Attell. It was so I was, I was off, I was off uh, waiting for... I'd already gone. I was just listening. And then I heard a voice on stage. I was like, holy shit. Someone's playing a video of Dave Attell. I thought someone was playing a video. <laughs> and then I went up and he the was archives, doing yeah. some new bit where he plays a recorder. Yes, he's been doing that. <laughs> Actually, as I walked into the cellar last night, there was a man outside in that little like porch area who was just faced all the way into the corner. So he looked like the the, the last scene of... of the Blair Witch Project, mm-hmm. and I just heard the recorder playing. I thought it was like a homeless man peeing, and it was uh, it was Attell warming up. Speaking of, of someone who is a... probably misinterpreted for a homeless man a lot, yeah. he, has probably... a great, he has a great joke about that. Does People he? trying to put him in shelters, yeah. Oh, yeah? yeah. He also has a flip phone. He's one of these guys. He, he it's he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting man. I don't know him personally. He's quite peculiar. Is he nice? Yeah. He's very nice. I like you said peculiar. I like peculiar, that. Sorry. Peculiar. Sorry. It's a, pecu- it's a peculiar way Italian. of saying peculiar. said it Italian. That's Italian. Peculiar. Yeah. Peculiar. So, uh, Matthew, you seem to have a very charmed life, and I, I want to kind of find out why it's not as charmed as one might think from the outside. But let me just say, you are you are a very nice guy. You oh, were one you. of the you were one of the first like when I first started stand up, where um, I knew you from TV, and I remember Ooh. doing a show with you. And you said to me, it was at that uh, what is it? It's like a it's somewhere in Brooklyn. It doesn't matter. But you said like, hey, I like what you're doing on Twitter. Keep up the good stuff, and I was like, yeah. "Oh fuck!" And then you know how go. Then I then I do three shows with you, and then you know you're just you're just just a guy. Yeah, should it, it, it I really? Need to not, I need to not come down. I need to not make myself so accessible. <laughs> I should keep some some mystery about me. Need to stop hey, reaching pretty out mediocre to shit comics. on Twitter. <laughs> keep figuring this shit out. Uh, no, I think that is what's interesting about stand up. I feel like uh, there is a lot of people above. And you work with them a couple times, and they become peers. There's yeah. very quickly a moving of Carmen Lynch was one we're like hosted for, and then after you do four shows, it's like, oh, now it feels like we're peers mm-hmm. to a certain extent. She is clearly yeah. more of a resume. You have more of a resume, but then we acted together. Yeah, and it's a nice feeling because as a stand-up, you've been doing it longer than me. As an actor, though, you know, I, I I'm green. I'm Daniel Day Lewis yeah. compared to you. Yeah, I'm just kidding. But that is fairly true. But it was very interesting because <laughs> we were with we were with all these Broadway actors. What's interesting, you do a movie. 
and all the small parts are these Broadway's world class Broadway actors. And and Broadway is putting it so mildly. It was Tootsie and Tootsie. It was Beetlejuice in Beetlejuice. Yes. It was stars of Broadway. Stars with of Broadway. Three lines. And I oh, like. So, what were you guys doing in the? We were all SNL movie? cast members. So the whole oh, thing was so, there was oh, an right. SNL the within the movie. Now, okay. I was Colin Jost. Perfect. Yes, basically, right. of course. And I was the featured player who's not going to make it to next year. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> that's, I, that's what you wrote to the character. It was, you were just a funny character who had an on on on. Uh, yeah, you 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 ran some sketches and you had uh, a sketch go to to air so, i fire yeah. yeah that was a big exciting moment i think the coolest part of it was like i was it, like part of the main cast enough yes. that i was on like one of the posters in the background oh, of some scenes nice. and that was really it's very cool to walk in a room and see like oh this is the life i had dreamed of yeah of being a star mm-hmm. of snl for a brief brief moment but it was a it was a unique because i'm not i'm not a broadway guy but i know enough about theater that i can to talk to them about yeah. sondheim and bill finn and boy and, was uh, I, yeah i felt really all these conversations where i just didn't know the names i didn't know yeah we were yeah, really yeah, so i felt very and he was my uh he was my bridge <laughs> but they admire you they admire stand-up i think i think most art forms ever most art forms do the thing where they're like i could never do stand-up comedy and you're like you have lots of skills that I yes. do not have, but you couldn't. But you are more talented than me. But you'll never be good at stand up. But See, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> a different kind. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's interesting. Well, Russell, like Russell, someone you're a very funny person, and he, he I've asked but, Russell for some thoughts we have in conversation. Like Russell, can I talk about this on stage? I think you'd be a good stand up. I don't. No, I don't. Never. I don't. No, I'm no, not no, saying no, right no. out the gate. No, no. I, I. That's why I'm like, if I have an idea that I think was. I like to just run it by you. It, like if I can't think of it to, to put it into a sketch or some sort of thing, I I don't have anything to do with it. I just want to th- like give it sure. to, or give it away. I well, he you had know? this. He had this. We were on the sketch team, Uncle Function. You were a guest on. He had a sketch about someone for for Lent. He gives up supporting the troops because that's what he loves the most, and it's so good. <laughs> that's very funny. And uh, I wanted Russell to tweet for Lent. I'm giving up supporting the troops, and you do. <laughs> but I don't really tweet, so I was like, Am I going to? But like- you're on Twitter. That's I know, what's amazing. I'm gonna like pop in and put like three months of nothing. I'm gonna just tweet Lent jokes. You know what I mean? Like about the troops. So I just feel like I'd rather every three months. Daniel Day Lewis of tweeting. Yeah. <laughs> just wait four months and drop a gym. I love it. Yeah. Um. So so Matthew, you you've you've been. Uh, when was your first Conan set? That was your was that was that your is that your first big break? Would you consider it? No. First big break was my first Comedy Central set, which was 2013. 2013. Oh. It wasn't. It didn't make any waves uh, in terms of uh, uh, building uh, an, an audience, but it was the, like my industry mm. break in. Sure, yeah, sure. It got me representation. Now you're for for a stand up comedian. You're a very good looking guy. Thank you very much. Uh, I got you. Okay, I don't have to address it when I start my sets. <laughs> That's the difference. And I noticed I was watching your sets in preparation for this for this interview. And oh, you know, what what are the downsides of of the way you look with this the kind of stand up comedy you do? The, the only really good looking comic I can think of the same caliber would be like an Anthony Jeselnik. Mm-hmm. And like I've noticed that you address your looks frequently at the White, beginning the of way. a set. There's a lot of good looking black comedians. And we, that's, yes, that's a different issue for some reason. That's uh. For some reason, I—I I mean, we could list. We could, yes. We, we, we're I, not I, the group I find to address that, yeah, those. I, I, it's there's the, there's something there culturally and with with the with the differences and yeah. <laughs> but did you feel uh, it was something that you're like 
I have to address this. I look like a, a dick. I was just told that. I would just do, uh, I just did comedy for like a, you know, I was doing comedy for like a year or two. And I said, uh, I remember I just, just one night I had a joke about looking like an 80s villain that I was like kind of playing around with that I just, just kind of, that we had riffed it at the bar and then I tried it on stage and I was doing it like later in my set. And then one night I tried opening with it and uh, a drunk guy comes outside and he was like, dude, I fucking, I hated you. And then you said that 80s villain thing. And I was like, this guy's great. And I was like, well, right? that's. That's his directive feedback. It's amazing what the audience will tell you, not just like with their reactions, with their words, mm. uh, and and how worth listening it is. <laughs> it's it when, when people. I mean, when you did it. I I've learned it from roasts where J.P. McDade said to me, he said before you tell every joke, you look like you say a five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> and it was one of these <laughs> where so good. it's one of these where. The reaction was so it's because it's not a it's not a sharp punchline per se, but it like captures something so clear that like I'm it, the setup is my body and my face and my energy. And that's the punchline. And I was like, oh, I need to play somewhere in this realm because mm-hmm. it captured something. Mm-hmm. And so you captured that you look like a bad guy. Yeah, I, th- I think anything that helps you on a dating profile kind of uh, hurts you in stand up. That's an interesting hmm. It's a bit of a generalization, but you know, no one, no one wants to. People don't want to feel intimidated. It's, it's one of the, the the last things you want to do to an audience is is make them feel bad about themselves in any way. That's why it's so hard to write a joke about working out. Yes, I think that's a great point. It's yeah, I think comic comedy is really a celebration of our shortcomings and and sharing in them. So it's to come from that place, you have to you have to prostrate yourself in some way to the audience especially unless you're i mean like then the opposite of the scale it's like judah friedlander can get away with saying all of that shit because we know it's sarcastic and he looks even more homeless than david tell so. yes yeah. yeah that is very true um did you ever have it, any of those jokes like something like uh don't you hate it when women just want to fuck all the time what did i have i said uh i had i had some some material like that i had uh, people, <laughs> really? people assume I'm arrogant. You. was that <laughs> uh, i come off as cocky which isn't true uh, I'm not arrogant. People just assume I am because I have so much going for me. So I had like that's jokes. Great. Like, that's a great line. Good. And I had a joke about uh, I hate being called pretty boy because then I have to pretend to be offended. I used mm-hmm. to be my closer. I'm like shut up, pretty boy. I'm like no, you shut up. In my head, I'm just like, hey, that's see, I that's love really it. Sweet, yeah, yeah. That, that toyed with it and always it found a vulnerability. I'm sure I had. I don't remember the the. The the misses as well. You always you always tend to of course of show course. those. Away. I'm sure if you found old footage of my stand, you'd be like, "Yikes!" But uh, <laughs> I, pl- I played with arrogance because I thought that was the way to go. And Houston was a broier scene. It was more bar show, so they would respond to that kind of machismo, even if it was false in my mm. case. So when I moved to Austin, and when I subsequently moved to LA, that <laughs> really hurt my uh, how people perceive me in cause LA. Because in so LA, you're not good looking. Well. <laughs> There's, you know, I thank you again for saying I'm good looking, but in LA, no one wanted to. That scene's just run by uh, it's, it's it's a different scene. It's the alt scene, so it's a bunch of self-identified nerds and, and rejects. You know, it's freaks and geeks, uh-huh, it's kind of uh-huh. crowd. So they don't they don't want that. They don't want that. especially for the shows I was doing. They didn't want that comedy store Joe Rogan, <laughs> Brendan Shaw. Sure. They wanted like I'm a loser, and so the, the, yeah, that didn't. That's a good. Um, you captured a whole brand of comedy mm-hmm. with just that. Um. Well, fantastic. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Corpus Christi, Texas, and Atlanta, Georgia. And what sucks about that? Corpus Christi is a very s- sad town. 
Uh, I grew up. I went to a magnet school. Uh, so and you somehow was, brag. Magnet's a smart school, right? Yes. You, in, yeah. In a very, okay. In a very dumb city. <laughs> okay. Very, so no. That's so this fair. is like an average school in a regular. It was city. well, what they did. Yeah, and I think my mom probably pulled some strings in getting me tested into the program. Sure, my sure. mom was yeah. like really. So it's like the only aggressive like, as a mom. The I only history like program in Texas in. where they do talk about slavery. Yeah. And they, <laughs> um. But it's, South Texas is so different. It's it's very far south. Um, yeah, how far is Corpus Christi from Houston? Three or four hours, but it's, oh, it's, it's okay. only it's only like 150 miles north of the border. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Is your family okay right now? Everyone okay with the cold? In, my mom's in Atlanta. Oh, so, okay, yeah, move there. Corpus was fine, but I just didn't. Re- I didn't know anything better. I didn't realize it wasn't a big town, and it was kind of like a, a nowhere, like kind of a nowhere place. Um, and then my dad retired when I was thirteen, and he had uh, also because of Parkinson's, he re- was forced to retire early. And there's a downside. And sure, uh, any downsides to, to your dad having Parkinson's? I was pretty chill. <laughs> yeah, pretty chill. Pretty. <laughs> it, was, it was a good time. Yeah. Um, moved to Atlanta, and then Atlanta. The, the I think that was a formative thing for me was I went from seeing. Not like abject poverty, but just like a, a, a some some down and out groups of people in Corpus, and they went to a private school in Atlanta that was really wealthy, and just that that uh, that whiplash of 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 the differences in the two cultures and the, and the wealth and seeing how unaware the rich people in Atlanta were. They, mm. they went to this, yeah. they're 14 year students at my high school. You start there in kindergarten and there were kids who were like, yeah, I went here all 14 years of my high school uh, of my schooling experience. And I was really put off by that, by the elitism, by the wealth, by, by, did the, you challenge it? Were you like the kid in school being like, you know, no, because I didn't, I didn't have much to stand up because my family was upper middle class. So it's not like I was, yeah. mm. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was not as wealthy as them, but I didn't have anything to complain about. I use that term too, upper middle class. And I think I saw someone, someone on Twitter make fun of it being like, that's what rich people say. I was upper middle class. Oh, I saw what real rich is and, uh, they're wrong. <laughs> like that top 1% is so much wealthier. Yeah. We were, I think the math was my family. We were five percenters. Uh-huh. In terms of income, I think we looked it up. We were, we were. That was where we we sat. So that's, I guess. Did that's you have a pool? No. See, that's my. We had a boat. We had a small boat. You had a boat. All right. I but think no a boat house. and a pool are exchangeable. And a lake house. Lake house. No. No, I'm sorry. We didn't have a lake house. We used our we used our family. Uh, we used our my mom's sister's lake house. So we would go and we okay. we we brought the boat down there. So they had a timeshare between two of my aunts, and then we brought the boat so we could use it sometimes, and we let them use the boat. It was all a big. This was later on though. That my dad, my dad made money. He he started poor and then made money. So by the end of my high school experience, we were cushier than when when I started. That's I mean I guess better better money than not. But wealth, God, wealth at a private high school. There was a family, and I knew I knew who it was. The family donated fifteen million dollars to the school. It was on a plaque at the school. How did that kid's grades must have been pretty fucking good after that? <laughs> she wasn't very smart. What is this? <laughs> That's why. Imagine your kid's so shitty. They're like, "How much do I have to donate? Fifteen million? That's a dumb fucking kid." And I saw kids who made really bad grades. Kids who I was the reason they passed certain courses because I would do their homework. Get really? Into you were actually so you did, all, that, yeah. That's a real. I, I've you know that's mentioned. Uh, I, you really did other people's homework. So we did this thing called WebAssign, uh-huh. which is where you'd go online, you get ten problems, and you have to type in the the, the numerical value correctly okay. to within a certain percentage, but it randomized certain variables so what i would do is i would solve my homework with with the randomized variable set as variables and then i'd have a a solution that was a times c uh, divided by b times 3.2 to the 10th or something like that okay and then you so that that means i could can you pass the pen to me really quickly (laughs) so you could type in the values you saw and then that was a way to 
uh, generalized solutions for everyone, no matter how, what their randomized values were. So I would solve it in terms of the variables, which w- wouldn't take much extra time. I didn't have any friends, so this was my way of like making friends. Wait, and so you weren't work. you weren't compensated in any way? You did this for. Getting invited to, to the liked. pool party. And I never got invited till the very end. Yeah, they still hated me. I remember they let... There was what the a fuck? Face- You're doing their work? I know. There was a Facebook group <laughs> that they let me in, and, and I was like, oh, I'm part of this fun Facebook group, and then they kicked me out. And I was like, I do your fucking homework oh, for you. No. Part of it was a pretty evil, though. I also knew if I did their homework for them, they'd fail the tests. Oh, I see. I so see. the great... It was great. I remember... This, this Is was that was your long game physics. plan? I mean, it was... Like, yes. I, I would see... I would see that, like... F- Seven of us would get A's, two people would get B's, no one would get C's, and then twelve people would get F's. There was just Jesus. this gap, I, wow. and and it was it was the other side of that gap was people I gave the solution. This kind of school where they posted the grades like, no, publicly. No, I don't know how I knew. How that. did you know? <laughs> it sounds like you hacked into the maybe fucking computer said, mainframe. Maybe she said something. no, I didn't. I didn't go that far. Were you, <laughs> there was a girl I knew her middle name, so a lot of, I could you could guess people. Uh, there was a girl in the class who. Um, she took it, and I knew what I, I guessed what her uh, her login name would be because I knew her middle name because I was in yearbook. So it was your name plus your middle initial plus your last name was the was the entry, and then your password. We all started the, the semester with the same password, so I would just log into her account and then test out my answers on hers. Uh, to make sure the variable worked, the variable solution worked for mine and hers, and it was likely to work for everyone. And uh, never told her. She never knew why she would just open it, and all of the problems would be solved. Oh, she just <laughs> she goes just in. School was yeah, really yeah, I didn't interact with her very much. I just wonder what she thought. If she thought there was like a glitch, or she thought like maybe I'm waking up in the middle of the night and yeah. like I'm a weird savant. Yeah. Uh, that's weren't you scared of getting caught? No. Actually, I had a beer with the teacher years later. Uh, really cool teacher, young. I think the teacher was still in her 20s when she was teaching us. And the teacher really like had her. to drop out because all their students kept failing after getting all their homework good. Yeah, and I admitted to her. I admitted to her years later. I was like, yeah, I did solutions for everyone. She was like, I can understand your motivation in doing that as a way to fit in. She's really cool about it. Now, wh- so Nick you were She's fucking I, great. She's a really teacher fun. now, and I think Denver. She's the fucking coolest. She does CrossFit and teaches physics, and she's there's she's some, dope. She's one of the coolest teachers I've ever had. There's something nice about admitting to a teacher uh, something that you did or like a prank. I told my my high school band teacher years later that um, I didn't like band that much. I didn't tell her that, but I I, d- I didn't like band that much. And uh, my friend and I, when we would like do the warm-ups in the, in the morning like to start thing we would play we were, as we played saxophone we were supposed to play a g and so she'd have everyone play the thing we would always play g sharp and it would delay <laughs> class for like 10 15 minutes because she'd go section by section she's like something's off and she'd go to oh. each instrumental <laughs> thing and then she'd go to the saxophones and we play g and then she'd go huh, i don't know and then she'd go back and like do the whole group again and then we play g sharp and she'd be like something is off and we would just do it to delay class and now as an adult i'm like that's so shitty like and so i told There's her nothing years gained later, in that like, at least no, i was doing it for personal value no i just was doing i don't know why let's not be judgy here you it just was, confessed I, to like Corrupting an entire grade of school for my own testing benefit. out your answers on someone else's. <laughs> but it felt good to tell her. It felt good. Well, how did oh, she you react? Admitted to her, yeah. I admitted. Uh, she... Was it was it like at the mental hospital no, where you no, said no, to her, "Hey, it was like, she was it like, was well, like... I got the ear surgery already, so." <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it felt good. Um, but yeah, I I cheated uh, not super frequently, but I was a test looker. I was definitely, oh. and only one time, like the smart math kid, his name was Alan Cole, and he's like a political guy, and he, he's caught me. 
And I was like, oh, I said, I was just seeing where everyone else was on the test, <laughs> you know, to keep up. And what and class? Like, uh, it was probably math, mm-hmm. but I... I wasn't it wasn't cheating all the time but but math sometimes spelling sometimes and you know what I I look back and I don't feel oh, a thing yeah fuck it I hated math I was not good at it and uh I did a similar thing I um one time we were like had to do it was like when proofs you know remember you yeah. Like, do you know what proofs, proofs are? Man? You know, um, I couldn't do a proof now. <laughs> like, I couldn't even start. I don't even. I don't even know how to talk about it right now. Mm. But um, one time, right before Christmas break, we had to do. Um, you to draw names to do like a big proof in front of the whole class, and so you like put your name on a on a thing when you walked in the room, and they would draw sticks, and I put another kid's name, and they were they were called twice. Oh my god, they got called they twice. They got called twice, and I and but I picked someone that was like really good at proofs, so it wouldn't be embarrassing for them. But eventually, did they reach the end? And she said, "Well, who didn't go?" Yeah, they all. Everyone laughed when they got pulled again because she was like, "She's like, I already went." Like she was, you know. But it ended up not being a big deal. I think smart. the funny version of that is every name is that kid's yeah. name. Everyone yeah, yeah. did the same thing you did. So you were a math. I liked math. Uh, is, is savant a correct word or no? No, I but liked you, it. And I had above average abilities at it. But what was your SAT on math? Seven ninety. Mm, I missed that's one question. Pretty high. Do you remember the question? Does it haunt you at night? Do you think about it? Like- I, remember, I remember when I looked at it again, I was like, it was very obvious what the answer. That's why I was only docked 10 points. Because usually if you miss one question, you get docked like 30 immediately. It was it was a relatively easy answer that I must just bubble just bubbled in. I see. Wrong. You're like, fuck, I should have used that mm-hmm. girl's test first to <laughs> test it out. But uh, I, was, you- I struggled more with reading. I'm still a bad reader. History was always so much work for me. English was like, writing was pulling teeth. Um, so I would I would take the harder math courses and, and I didn't. I don't remember studying for math. Mm, I would just do wow. the homework and I'd be prepared for the test, whereas I would just agonize over all the other courses. And I, what do you? Were you bad at anything? Uh, I was bad at reading, bad at history, but um, I would make I would make some B's in those classes in in high school. And then when I got to college, I was a horrible student. I was just a very bad student. It's hard to imagine. Distracted. It's hard to imagine you being a bad student. I'm not disciplined. I wasn't disciplined. And I was so it was the first. So I didn't have any friends in high school. So when I got to college and there was partying and social mm. events, I just com- let that completely distract were you, me. Were you a drinker? I tried to be. I wasn't very good at it. So you just went to the parties and... I would drink, but I wasn't like a, like a booze bag. I was just chasing chicks and, and I, I that got term, really... That booze into... bag. It just feels like out of the 60s. Yeah. Like, you know, booze Mark bag. Norman. Mark Norman, of course. Yeah. I recognize him. Yeah. A real he's, booze bag. He's like a, he's like a, a thesaurus of antiquated terms. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was your major in college? Applied math. I started mechanical engineering, realized I didn't like it that much, and then... Uh, I had to take certain – some of our required courses were in the applied math department. And when I figured out what that was, I realized I liked it a lot more, that it was it was the math I actually liked. Real what, what, what's, what's considered math at the college level is not fun. It's very theoretical. It's very abstract, whereas applied math is probably – would seem – if you saw me doing the homework, it would seem more like – what you consider sure. math. When, when you're done in college like with applied math, like what – does that where do you go from how do you there? apply like, what would you it have to life? done after I, that? what's the jobs i work for that? a nonprofit after that but okay. a lot of my friends uh some went to grad school but uh computational finance so a lot of those so you can you can work in finance you could easily get a job as an engineer it's it's such a base level of math and so so rarely do people learn what they actually apply you just kind of learn the the logic and the technical stuff and then then when you go to the job you learn you've, you've learned how to learn are you happy stuff. that you majored in that? It was really fun. I really wish I had paid more attention in certain classes because it's it was really it was really interesting, really cool stuff to me. 
Um, I might have maybe tried electrical engineering. That also seemed really fun. Mechanical mm-hmm. is not for me. Mechanical. When I got to mechanical, it was it was just like a bunch of people who loved cars and engines and steam. And, and you're not power. that guy. And that wasn't fun to me. I I don't like the application. I like the theory. I like working out the numbers. Mm. If there's a physical uh, manifestation of those numbers, cool. But I'm more interested in writing a long equation and canceling things out it was a lot of coding it was it was kind of like a it was a half math half comp sci major and coding is really fun and i think uh coding is is similar to stand-up writing and that you're just looking for pieces of information and how to isolate and order them correctly and so much so much of like stand-up writing is just minimizing and 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 cutting down all the fluff around stuff like what's the important what's the word that i need right here to get this point across what's the uh, and how do i cut the information between this and the punchline so that the punchline pops harder it's 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 similar to coding i describe really clean one-liners the older i get the more i like watching one-liner comedians Mm -hmm. like sometimes strict one-liners because and i i think of it in that same way where like it's a beautiful equation and that's like i do i wasn't a super math guy i was i was always okay at math mm -hmm. but i think of it in that way like a beautiful Mind. and someone's like knock knock and i'm like oh wow yeah just right to the point <laughs> it's person's usually... at the door and you just said knock knock right <laughs> i like I, I i usually i think a good one-liner is about missing information good jokes are usually about what piece of information is missing that you the listener have to then deduce what's the stepping stone between so finding finding a way to go to show them a and c in a way that they unveil b not too easily but it's mm-hmm. not too tricky that's Fun. Which of my one liners is your favorite? Okay, <laughs> it's so, hard to choose. <laughs> it's so hard to choose. There's one. Uh, our friend Chris, he heard it at an open mic. We don't know who it is. I don't know if they still do comedy, but it was miso soup. Quit bragging, and I love it. <laughs> and that's the kind of joke that most people roll their eyes tremendously. But I'm like, I'm like four words. That's beautiful. Four words. What's miso the shortest soup? joke you've ever written? Uh, shortest joke. You know me. I'm I'm not quite as as skilled. Uh, let me think for a second. Yeah, what's yours? Was, you have it on. I the top had of your a shortest head. tweet that was uh. Similes are like metaphors. Mm. It was the shortest I think I ever wrote. <laughs> I uh, Russ, what about you? Shortest joke? I don't have any. I, don't I have um, jokes. What's What's the shortest joke? Uh, the shortest opening joke I know. This is which is really cool with that, an opening I love, joke. I love. I love. How many I, words? I your love, first laugh. Yeah, yeah. Gary Veter. Gary Veter's his? his, his, what is it? Uh, four words to his first lap is, how's everyone doing financially? It's great. Oh, that's Very good. good. Very good. I, I know love a good opener. guy named Peter Angelo I saw in Connecticut. Had, uh, he just goes out. He's this big trucker looking guy. He goes, I know. It just, it worked. It got a laugh. It was like, oh, that's cool. Two words. Sure, that's impressive. Sure. Yeah. My favorite opener, two of my favorite openers, Louis Anderson, moving <laughs> yeah. the mic stand out of the way. Let me get out of this. Let me get this out of the way so you can see me. Great. <laughs> ah, great. And then uh, Chris Crespo, who uh, doesn't have uh, full arms. Is that the appropriate term? I know. And he said, he, he takes, he takes his time getting the mic out of the stand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it cranks up the tension. And then he goes, uh, don't worry, I put my pants just like you do, eight hours at a time. That's so funny. And it's just like, <laughs> it's so good. I'm like, you know what? I would give up my arms just to have an opener this good. I saw him do a, I just flew in from California, and boy, are my arms not there. Oh, my God. He said that? Uh-huh. Oh, Wait, man. Wait, no, this is Nine Miler. Oops. Oh, who is it? Wait, is that another person? Nine Miler? Who's the That's got to really suck when you are the comedian without fully formed arms and then another, another one, one comes, comes on the scene. Clearly it's too competitive. <laughs> because if you have them on the same lineup, you're like, well, do we have to say it's a theme show? Yeah, like, yeah. it's just... <laughs> 
I think there's that thing comics talk about all the time where they'll feel like uh, they they have a contemporary comedian who let's say it's it's a black woman and they're like they never get to be on the same show together because everyone's like well we already have mm-hmm. and like it's a way people are shitty without e- even thinking about it they're like well they're they're similar so we can't have them on the same line mean up you ha- meanwhile you have ten Mark Norman impersonators on the lineup at the same time and no one gives it a second thought nope no and uh, I was with a friend recently and we were watching SNL and she said. Uh, Oh man, this is weird to say. Uh, Ego is so much better than Sashir. Of course, people and do they, that shit and all the time. Been, and my black friend was there. They're like, "Why are you comparing those two uh-huh. specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> From <laughs> years apart." Yeah, <laughs> that's it, it, it would be more years like, apart, but there Sashir hasn't been that many black cast members on yeah. SNL. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I heard one actually speaking. I believe it was uh, it was an improv team of three black women, and they do a suggestion of like what you know uh who are we and someone said destiny's child because it's three black women and that's mm. where they're they and everyone booed the fuck out of this i'm sure from wisconsin seeing their first improv show and they're like i love improv and they're like oh destiny's child booed to pieces yeah. but it makes sense it gets it must be fucking exhausting yeah to constantly have that be the conversation I was looking at a an audition and I looked at who they had already cast and I saw someone and it was it was diverse and I saw they already had one white guy I'm like well there goes my chances mm. so now it's at least starting to happen to white men where they have the certain certain good casting where they do diverse and you're like oh well they got the white guy covered I find many lineups I'm like it's either me or Mulaney it's one of the two is getting the Netflix special and when Mulaney <laughs> gets it I'm like I guess that's it for me this year um, you opened for Mulaney I did. And uh, I'm very jealous of that. When? I, should, I should be clear. I asked to do that. So. You asked to. To your reps or to Mulaney I, My reps came up with the idea. I was, I was like, oh, cool. So Mulaney's at this festival. My agent was like, I'll message his team and, and say that uh, you're interested in opening. So yeah, Did he watch your set? He knows me. Uh, he we, knows you? Yeah. He'd um, love you. I mean, there's no, there's no I, question I about that. So. Yeah. No, but you know this. I would you really know like that. His, his approval and... would mean more than any comedians to me. Really, that's the number one. Truly, because he's the most he's the most honorable comedian. You know what I mean? Like, there's not one single cheap shot. There's not one single I could have thought of that moment, or I've heard something like that moment. Like every See, joke. I think, I think you're glorifying him in the way other people glorify other comedians. I think there's plenty. I think every comedian has a little bit of hack. There's always ten percent of hack in any any comedian I know. He has the smallest percent of. He has the smallest percent. So. Okay, like a body fat thing. Yeah. For, for okay, for you, it'd be I Mulaney. I can't think of anything. For you, we know it'd be Louis, big Louis fan over here. But Louis, okay. even I mean, what comedian? What what comedian? What performer? Anyone? If they saw you do a sketch. And they came up to you and they said, "Fuck, you're funny." That you'd be like, <gasps> like a like a sketch person. Anyone. To be fair, Louis would be my number two. Um, uh-huh. sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I I, oh, I don't Louis obviously, but uh, <laughs> like, you know, it's weird to say that now. But I'm a huge Mulaney fan too. Now, really? Yeah, I didn't know oh, you're yeah. a big Mulaney fan. Oh yeah, oh, you're yeah. a secret stand-up watcher. You've like watched all the specials. I, well, yeah, I do. Yeah, of course. I yeah. think it, it it could be a it could be a Mulaney for me. I think if Chappelle said something, it would it would like there's a childhood Chappelle thing where I'm like that I've just loved him for so long. Here's the thing: I would put Chappelle on that list, and I would put Bamford on that list. Except, I think those two are specifically very generous with their compliments because I've heard I've seen posts mm. uh, I, maybe regarding both. They're like, "Wow, I can't believe this person complimented my set." Look, Bamford complimented Chappelle told me how great I was. I was like, "Oh, they were." <laughs> 
They were lying. <laughs> like, I, I know yeah, your ads. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, boy. Which that is, is, by the way, a great business strategy. Just yeah, be yeah, yeah. the headliner who compliments everyone. <laughs> and it's it will never bite you in the ass because they're like, they believed in me. And sometimes sometimes a shit comic just figures it out. Sure. And then you get to be the maybe, person who Maybe Louis should have complimented some more people. They would have been like, look, I understand. I understand what he did was wrong. But he once told me I had a good set when I was three years into comedy. So let's give him a chance. Yeah. Um, oh I mean, boy. Honestly, how many it's of these true. people are going down just because, well, not just because, but it's like, it's a combination of if something comes out and you are also have been a dick to people. Yeah. For no reason, oh, yeah. I, I've You're always surviving. I always think those kind of tests, uh, whenever someone gets in trouble and not just, not just in the sexual assault realm, but it, whenever right. someone gets in trouble, I also think it's a bit of a litmus test onto how you treated your peers along the way mm-hmm. will determine how they stand up for you, who's going to retweet <laughs> the New York Times article about your ass. And it's I, I just think it's 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 proof of how you came up. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, so uh, we, we have to move on to this next section. But I really want to talk uh, real quick about uh, uh, any family downsides. Um, dad was sick my most of my life mm-hmm. and my mom is not mentally very healthy and that's got I don't hear you talk about any of this on stage whereas I about my mom you do a little bit more now yeah any specific mental health thing in particular yes. just oh yes yes her about, about her being bipolar I do a little bit of that and just just a very broken person who I love very much but is <laughs> just just a festering untreated wound of mental health issues just never never took care of it and this is what it looks like at 74 is that do you mm-hmm. think now do you think this is why you're a, a comedian this kind of I, stuff i don't know i don't i'm not i i consider myself a fraud i don't think i'm like what do you mean? why are you a comedian i'm like you really I, think because yourself i fraud? started doing it that's it i don't think i naturally have something i'm not like one of those people any, like, anything, for this i think people uh i, I don't think like i i had to be funny to make it through those dinners with my family. But I think like I think there's certain environments where like you are the person bringing levity to the room. When I have family dinners, I'm the funny one at the table amidst a lot of like anxiety. And I think that's where I I I found that I was funny. Not that's not because were you funny at home? Can you make your mom laugh? No. Can any what No, makes but no one can. <laughs> humorless, both humorous. Humor, my parents are both humorous, humor, humorless people. They didn't pride Can't themselves even say on it. finding so much funny. I, uh, yeah, I think my the one thing that maybe drove me towards comedy was coming from uh, a background where I wasn't taught social skills. I was I was studying, and academics were heavily enforced, and I was at, at the expense of of social learning, of of socializing, of going out, of going to parties, and, and mingling. And I didn't have uh, a strong role model in terms of of how to be a charming sociable person mm-hmm. either of my parents were in a traditional way and when i went to that school in atlanta most of those kids were rich because their parents were businessmen and salesmen so i was up against very very charming people and i also went to jewish summer camp with a bunch of jews who were by nature very charming sure. salespeople. and i grew up very jealous of social skills and i became very obsessed with how can you learn this the way you learn a sport the way you learn an academic field is there a, is there a way to understand how to be was that charming like, and interesting you're like and, what's the variables for a conversation right and then stand up was a laboratory for that mm. so when i when i got into stand up it was like oh here, i can go up and like test words and, and intonations and test how <laughs> like to you be going up on stage so, be like how what did you do for this summer like you're doing crowd work crowd work for me was definitely like oh 
I was I always thought like I can't do crowd work because I, I can't talk to strangers mm-hmm. and like learning how to ask those questions, how to be curious. Mm-hmm. Like I learned a lot about talking to strangers from doing crowd work because I, I would always be like, well, I just don't go to parties. But then I would host and I'm like, why well, I, I have to learn how to do this. Yes. And now I feel like that ultimately I, led to doing like a podcast. I still haven't learned crowd work. So really, that sounds great. I would love to learn all those. You really can't. Uh, I don't seek it out it makes me too nervous mm. i don't like it especially it's, it's when my set's going well why would i want to i oh, like doing it makes work. me so nervous as an audience member really it really i get very stressed out about it it's the same as going to improv shows i i get too stressed for for everyone that i'm gonna have sure. to be involved they're gonna have to be involved they they don't know what they're gonna do and it just stresses me i think the thing with crowd work i really enjoy doing it if it's a small if it's a shitty show uh, i'll i'd love doing it if it's like a really hot huge show and i'm hosting i feel that's where I get stressed of like, there's so many people here. I'm going to ruin this great opportunity. And every joke that lands makes you seem more and more infallible. And then why would you want to mm-hmm. step out of that line and then dissolve that illusion? Have you ever dealt with a heckler well? Are you a good heckler dealer? Somewhat, yeah. yeah. Uh, not not normally. I had one woman who, it was, it was last weekend, at the end of my set, I finished some joke, and it was towards the end of it anyway, and uh, I finished my joke. It was, it was slightly politically tinged, and I just heard her just going, yeah, but no one would do that here because no one fucking does that here. We're, like, cooler than that. <laughs> and I go, what? She goes, I just, no one would do that. And I was like, okay, I love you. <laughs> I just uh-huh. She goes, fuck you, dick. And I was like, well, I got the light already, so I'm going to get out of here before I get a shoe thrown at me, <laughs> probably from Payless. And I oh, just came out of my, my mouth. But I had the courage of knowing I had like three minutes. I knew I was doing my closer. I'm like, well, okay. I got apology uh, from her the next day. She was blacked out by that point. But I was, uh, uh, I was like, Jesus, I didn't, I didn't realize I had that meanness in me. Yeah, it almost and sounds. You have stock. that forever. Yeah. I know. Yeah, well, I was, think that's a good. That's I was a like, good. if anyone in the audience, if anyone in the audience didn't believe that I that was in the moment. I wouldn't fault them for. I yeah. still wonder did I steal that from someone? Like that's just one of those lines. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. in the Patrice documentary. So <laughs> I, you, you, oh, you right, have a good okay. stock one. What's my which that, one? that one with a kid? Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh like. I was ready for this one. So I, I do this. I was on an episode of Law and Order SVU, mm-hmm. and I had a couple times in the past. People would go like, "What episode?" and it would ruin the joke. Mm-hmm. And I had this line ready to go. I never said it out loud, but I was doing a family show. I said, so I was on Law and Order SVU, and a little kid said, what episode? I said, the episode where I murdered the audience member for interrupting my joke. <laughs> and it was just like, it was it was the best feeling in the world. It was yeah. the first time I'd ever said it out loud, but I, I had prepared it. And sometimes with those lines, you, you have a great heckler moment, and you're like, oh, man, I will write it down. And like, I have a section of like, it's very embarrassing, crowd work. And I have one or two. That it, I like to work in where I can. I like it's, it's my document for crowd work. It's like be curious. Be <laughs> if you're having like it's very trite things about like it's great. If though. you're having fun, they will have fun because I have anger issues, and I if I I, I do too with crowd work. Yes. With crowd members, it's just like dude, don't fuck. You wouldn't throw dollar bills at a ballerina, uh huh. You know, don't. Why would you? And then that then then that's me being in, like a, I'm an artist, which is the fucking worst you, thing a comedian worst. can feel like, and it, to express it. The show's over. You're done. Of course. Yeah. But I have that line where sometimes I'll say, like, shut the fuck up. And it's like, it pops. It's funny. Mm. And then if I feel it a little too much and they hear me go, shut the fuck up. Death. I had one. These college kids, they were making fun of other people for laughing too hard. Mm. Like, they were they were cool <laughs> college kids. And I did. And this was, like, after not being on stage. This was post uh, uh, coronavirus, like, eight months, nine months. And... I said to them, like, oh, what do you study in college? She said something. I was like, <laughs> like, you should study 
killing yourself or something really, really fucking harsh. And it was over. Like they just started heckling me mercilessly after that about you can't, you shouldn't joke about suicide. No, you can't. uh, I also started doing a lot of college shows and you can't do crowd work there. It's mm-hmm. because if you if you hurt anyone's feelings it's you're never doing colleges again and it's so they're so fragile sometimes are so sometimes fragile. you can get with them if i i if would, they're fratty if, if they're like okay, if, fratty? If, 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 like you seem like you could tour frats and make millions no <laughs> no i would do and i the college shows where it's the, the kids who show up for college shows are they're so wholesome you know what i mean it's never yeah it's never the kids the frat kids yeah, are partying and yeah, not that yeah, trying yeah. to glorify frat kids but at least like they bust balls a little better you know they're all terrible i did one it was in a cafeteria one of the nightmare college show and i was talking to some kid and they're like oh yeah we're in the stand-up comedy club and i was like did you oh, know there was a stand-up comedy show and they're like no no one told us Jesus. and i was like and then i was like i'm a working you should you should be here yeah. this is a big lesson for yeah. you this is what you have to look forward to this <laughs> And I pissed off a kid there. He wouldn't. It was a terrible show. I was like basically harassing a cafeteria because I had to perform for an hour to a cafeteria. So I was doing crowd work, and some kid like wouldn't answer me. He was like, "I'm chewing my food," and I kind of, I kind of, I kind of fucked with him for a little. In his defense, he was in a cafeteria. <laughs> You were the one doing stand up. So funny. But then later after the show, my favorite part of the cafeteria show is I get to eat at the cafeteria, which is fun to do after not doing it for a year or two. And he came up to me and he was like, Hey man, when someone says leave him alone, maybe you leave him alone. Oh. And my heart started just I I was furious. Because mm. I was the gig was so humiliating. It was so humiliating. And I was like, Well, maybe chew your food fucking faster. I'd been paid already. And <laughs> All right, let's go to this next segment. All right, this is uh again, this is probably the first episode. We're figuring a lot of things out. I um let's let's hit that that green button. This one? Mhm. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Which one? Uh yellow button. This one? Yeah. And actually that sound I've it made got that some that... bad bad news. What were you saying, Matthew? I was going to say that that the sound it made for the green button it makes for any button if it's the wrong button. That is good. Yeah. That is. It was. Oh, Russell couldn't hear it. No. Russell does not have headphones. It's oh. fine. I'll hear the them The green later. button was the stock one that came with the machine going. Womp, 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 oh. womp. <laughs> okay. And we just played. I've got some bad news. This is where we take headlines that might seem positive and find find their downside. Find what wasn't thought about them. So let me pull up. We got this uh, this first one here. Uh, Dolly Parton. Was in the news. I'll read the headline exactly once it, it loads. Dolly Parton, who is famous famous singer. What's her big songs? Uh, Jolene. It's a beautiful song. Nine to five. Nine to five. Nine to five. Have you seen the? Is she in the movie or is she just wrote the song? Yeah, she's in the movie. Yeah. Is it a good movie? I don't know. I, I saw it once a long time ago. I don't remember much. Yeah, I need to see it. So the headline is Dolly Parton humbly declines to have statue of herself outside Tennessee Capitol. She says, I don't think it's appropriate. Okay, people were very excited about this. Honestly, people were were basically memorializing her just for making this decision, which I think is counter to the the whole idea of no statue to begin with. My fear is that it's Tennessee. So if they're not going to do a Dolly Parton statue, <laughs> is it going to be another one of Robert E. Lee? Mm-hmm. Is maybe maybe you do want the Dolly Parton statue as opposed to another Confederate leader? Yeah, I she just doesn't own enough slaves to have a statue built of her in the South. <laughs> but that would be the rest of the today. quote was yeah. in fact that my, I did not come from slave owners. Yeah. I saw a statue. I was walking on New York City. I saw an old statue of like a general, like probably a slave owner based on everything I've I've read now about these 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 statues of yes. people more than 
50 years ago yeah my my stepfather he has uh he's collected for some reason this is where he puts his money it's like an old american flag old 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 with 13 stars and i'm just like this was this was a really bad why why like 13 for each slave your your great grandfather mm. owned i don't think this is something to celebrate anymore that's the problem with statues i think if there's anything we've learned from statues it's that as a society we've we've Everyone from the 1800s did some shit that we would not approve of. So, do we have statues of people anymore? Or are we done with statues? Um, I think get don't do them. I don't, no statues. I don't think there's no way you can ever know what is going to come out in the future and be a thing that we are still cool with or or find out about this person and i, just, well, I don't know what the point of it you, you have know. experience like statues are naming pets after certain celebrities oh, i know i liked the, no okay his cat's name is louis <laughs> i'm and not it was obsessed after the allegations louis came out today. that's what was so weird no, no it was before no, the, I, <laughs> um i also liked the name i had an uncle louis that's not what you did not I name did your not cat know. after your uncle <laughs> no I, I just like the name too and it was like i was co-naming it would you want a statue That's made of you fucking nothing by the way i he's a friend of mine and i hope he doesn't hear this but i had a friend there's no let me just say there is no chance that louis ck is listening to this no not I'm sorry, the person i'm about to speak about oh, is a I friend see. of mine okay. sorry i was using a uh, <laughs> mysterious pronoun there uh, a friend of mine named his his uh kids after comedians he's a comedian himself uh-huh. and had kids and uh <gasps> no th- yeah oh no they all said it was <gasps> can you guess he has a, he has a <gasps> no. I feel so bad saying this. Did he change the name? The, oh. the kid goes by and uh, still oh, a pretty name. No. Still a, a pretty name. name it's a beautiful that name. Is, but that it was is maybe really... two years before that went down. Maybe oh. a little less. Yeah. Oh my, that's, that's so funny. Hilarious. Because that's a unique name too. You know, Louis. You I love can this man. I feel so bad letting this. <laughs> no, I, uh, no, no, no. Oh man, that is really. Wait. So, but wait. He had multiple kids. Oh, different comedians. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Somehow more like shameful. Full- <laughs> I, uh, well, <laughs> that is uh, clearly a bad move. Um, I have a friend named Kevin, but it wasn't Kevin Spacey, but that would have been funny. I was saying, pick, if you're going to name it after celebrity, let it be a common name, but to yeah. take. Oh, yeah. Cut, yeah. That's like, I named my son Polanski. It's yeah. a brutal. Um, I was reading, Leif and I were talking about uh, sci fi, and I just read a really good series called Three Body Problem. And it, it's like uh, it, the, the timeline keeps, you know, randomly skipping ahead 50 years because of a cryogenic freezing or it just jumps to the next generation and how they're dealing with this alien invasion. And it's really cool because it talks about like the one guy who's the hero of this generation, then 50 years later, like is the villain of the next generation. And then another 100 years passes, and they all realize that that was true the hero and something they did now saves wow and you see all these different characters and sometimes these characters actually live that long uh live uh, because they take some some freezes and they're like they they live as the villain and then die as a hero and then humanity maybe humanity goes away and then some other tribe now reveres that as their savior it's a really thoughtful analysis of how we jump a hundred years now and one extreme or the other and that's my issue with the dolly parton thing if i if i might say the downside yeah is more generally beyond this this statue thing she's being deified because she's done some really good things but i'm sure she's made mistakes and when Mm -hmm. those come out uh, people are going to react now as if they were betrayed that she also said this or did this and it's i'm sure she has a slew of of good deeds she seems like a, a really great person but i'm sure she has some mistakes and uh, and also, whenever you create a deity for for one side of the political spectrum, now 
whoever's against her stances is going to try to I just demonize think it her. It feels like cutting out the middleman instead of like we don't have to have the argument like inter- like by not having statues that we don't have to feel either way about mm-hmm. it. You know, in the future. Yeah, like, it's but just I also like, think like I think it's like it can be nice. Like it's like oh this is a i think statues can be cool i've seen statues that are cool or they're pretty or you want to see a person and i understand the desire i i mean i remember when everyone was taking down the christopher columbus statues and i thought i don't i don't give a shit so i'm like sure take them down Mm -hmm. and then i read the first four pages of a people's history of the united states which just like it's it's uh the history of america told by uh, from the point of view of the oppressed and you like just hear i mean a couple of christopher columbus's journal entries and you're like tear the statues down now the, i mean it was just like articles of like oh the, the oh the the native american people they're nice this is how i'll kill like brutal brutal shit where i'm like yeah get rid of that statue yeah. italians like, are disgusting the worst <laughs> truly um would you want a statue no, because the second uh, the, the thing with statues, the second you build a statue of someone, you can't be ambivalent towards that figure. You now either have to worship them yeah. or hate them. Yeah, it's almost like it's like a, you turn down a statue of it. If if the comedy star said, "Hey, we would like to put a statue of you," it would never happen. Okay, well, okay. I put my headshot on the wall, but amongst other comedians. well, what's an early club that you could see being like where you're you're their you're their star, you're the guy that started there. You have a club like they're that? all shut down for tax fraud. They're all. <laughs> <laughs> i i just don't know if i would tr- i would say no to a statue you would say no if someone said hey we're a big we just watched your conan set and it was so good. I, I don't feel deserving of one that would be that would be you would tell them don't do it if i was getting paid for it but <laughs> if i got some money off of it i'd probably say yes, I sh- say yes that should money. automatically disqualify you from yeah, getting a statue go, what would your post be would you I, be holding I, a mic I, don't know. I can't consider this because there's no reason anyone would build a statue of me that's a, you i could see you 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 you're on a life path where it's not unfathomable that some small how many city... stand-ups in the history of, of time have right. any statues yeah i agree with that i'm not saying that you're not the hypotheticals is, just... is impossible for me to consider yeah if I did some like service act with my life over the next twenty years and like like really turn this ship around and start doing things for other people, I don't know. You're right; it's not fathomable. Yeah. Uh, Russell, you I could see you having a statue. You do a lot of good deeds. No, I don't. I mean, not I. I'm not a bad person. See, so but we're celebrating not- Dolly Parton. Why aren't we celebrating you? You're turning down a potential statue. I'm just saying it's a very low bar to be like, oh, you said no yeah, yeah, to yeah. a statue. I think you're people, a hero. But people without the statue thing, you know, Dolly Parton is one of those people that people like to deify. Like, sure. you know, people, it's like a thing we do. It's like sometimes. Chuck Norris memes, and then it turns yeah. out he's like the worst kind of Republican. Yes. <laughs> well, there's also this thing where, and again, Dolly Parton, it seems like what she does is great. But there is also, I think this is like one of the traps of capitalism where she's super rich, so she donated $2 million to help with the Moderna vaccine coming to light. And it's like, yeah, because she had a lot of money mm-hmm. but like you get you get celebrated for your deeds and uh you start becoming so wealthy you can if you put it in the right places do a lot of things that are incredible but right. it's like well the wealth is the problem did you see the um the tickle documentary i did yes. tickle. Yeah, and it was that was i looked up that guy who who led a weird life the guy the villain behind yeah. all of it and he had all this family wealth he never had to work and he donated money lots of money oh. to a lot of really good causes if you're rich you can just do a lot of good yeah 
even like Epstein gave to incredible causes, like undeniably good causes and, yeah. and, and unbelievable amounts of money. It's it's some of the worst people do the most donations. Yeah. So do you mind the pull clip for this is going to be Epstein <laughs> did a lot to, of good. Did a lot talk about of the good, good things. Yeah. <laughs> and then cut to another. He should have a statue of him. <laughs> this we we create this divide now. I I don't know if it's comic books or movies. Or, or, or something where we, people can only be the bad guy or the good guy. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do think I, I do wonder how it will affect because I remember shortly after the Cosby uh, stuff all came out, I went to Rockefeller Center and it's just Cosby was one of their properties. So everything on the walls and the posters and the history like he's front and center and it's just you know i think i wonder if it'll change how people glorify individuals in general because they're like well if they get in trouble it's a lot it's a big headache Mm -hmm. to redo all the walls i don't think so people still do it do you know what i mean i mean you can see so many people that still like get obsessed with politicians or things and the, the politicians and was the one that it, and they're the ones they're who get the most let you down. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a Hillary Clinton statue being built right do, now. Do you know anyone in politics? Personally? Yeah, pursuing uh, it. I, I, I did theater with someone who's now like a Green Party guy. The, j- Jab- j- just, Jabari. Yes. Same, but the, the one person I know, one of my good childhood friends, we did uh, theater together in middle school and I I couldn't take honors theater because that was the same time as honors math. So I had to give up that theater path wow. at that age. That's the movie that's not grade. made. There's a movie of the kid who picks theater over math, mm-hmm. but you went the real route. Yeah. <laughs> I got a degree that to this day ensures me some sense of stability in this world. Um, but he's now uh, uh, pursuing a political career. But I just wonder what kind of people get into it. It's, it, it I, must there's be a little some level of, yes. Who could there watch is some level of psychosis that if you're doing it, I think it's crazy. It's a crazy thing. We to have do. a friend. Knowing we have a good friend of people will hate you. Yeah. Yes. Well, we have a good friend. Oh, who, yeah. uh, Chris. And uh, he, he comes from like a politically involved family and he's, he's right, right there. there yeah. mm-hmm. And, uh, he lives a life and it's tough as a comedian like i've done enough stuff as a comedian where i'm like until the world changes mm-hmm. uh i could never become a politician right now like there's so many videos of me doing roast battles and like if someone if half the people hate me and people hire people to get me in trouble online and i'm mm-hmm. there's so much you know i'll get in trouble the world would have to just adjust accordingly but he well, kind of lives this line where i think he's careful to a certain extent of what he puts out publicly i think it it kneecaps him sometimes comedically or he is safer and we always joke we have like group chats we have comedian group chats for sure Mm -hmm. and i think there will come a day and age where all our phones start getting hacked and group chats start taking people down and that's when i think people will go well ted cruz just got in trouble for the the his wife's group chat and someone said they said someone was like is it okay that we shared the group chat and it's because we all know that our group chats (laughs) contain some I only have one now. I used to have a Facebook group, and then that was sullied. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Used to have a like a fifteen person Facebook group where we could just say our worst thoughts, and then then it fell apart. You have a comedian group chat? It was a comedian. No, my my group chat now is with my. It's it's called Cousin Talk. It's me, my brother, a cousin, and our second cousin. And we got into it because of politics. We were all spread out, or spread out across the country, and then we just randomly started texting. And now it's a it's a major source of entertainment to me. And and the shit I say in there is uh, problematic. Yes, I I can imagine. I uh, but you my... say all this like Trump was never president. Trump the uh, Trump did kind of just you know tear that down. Now, Evelyn, like you imagine all the worst things you've ever said coming through and it not hurting you. Yes, but he also I mean, like that him, was the like... full brand. I think like you either have to go full 
Yeah, and never your fan apologize. base. Yes. That's another yeah, thing. I'm just never. Uh, K- uh, Caleb Huron, who's, who's a he's a very funny Twitter guy, but he said something like, "You can't cancel people if you're not their audience." Like, like that's the whole concept of canceling. Right. It's like, well. If if you weren't even participating in their fame, that's why people would always want to like cancel Trump, and it'd be like you're not the people who have elevated him mm-hmm. to this point. So you don't have power. You're not the ticket buyers in the comedy world. Um, all right, let's get to the second headline. We've got I've got some bad news, and this one uh, really really uh, uh, gets under my skin for some reason. I um, it says Law and Order SVU, which is a show I want to be on. So let's be gentle to them. Law and Order SVU turns to a dark Broadway for job hunting actors, and this was about uh, people from Law and Order. Uh, Alex, uh, Alex Brightman, of course. And here's the thing: so there, there's this, there's this thing about Broadway actors. Obviously, we're dealt a tremendous blow with coronavirus, and so there's kind of like uh, we need to help these Broadway actors. Mm-hmm. And my thing is like, you know, who's really suffering? The guy or the lady who made it to the eighth callback for Phantom, and then still didn't get it. They're the ones. That need that Law and Order TV spot right uh, now. Phantom of the Opera is what he's talking about for the uh, for the people who aren't familiar with Broadway as well as I am. Andrew Lloyd Webber's, that Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. Andrew there, Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera. So there's this thing of it's like I'm like yeah Broadway people are suffering but like that's not the acting community that is the top. Yeah, finally, glad glad they're finally throwing these guys a bone. Yeah, exactly. I'm like you. You've been making poor Alex Brightman, who I couldn't walk down the street without without him being mobbed by not just people who recognize him, people who loved him. The people who saw Alex on the street were like, they weren't just like, oh, I know you from that thing. They're like, I worship you. Beetlejuice, oh, yeah. Alex. Beetlejuice is clearly You're gonna be fine, Alex. It's like a thing, like for like uh, goth light, like people who weren't fully goth, but yes. they like like Beetlejuice. It's like, yeah, I think about death sometimes beetlejuice that's like that's the fan base so it's 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 a a so there's this thing of this article talks about the actors that they're offering the roles to aren't even like broadway they're the leads (laughs) of broadway shows it's not like you know what broadway's suffering let's give it to the 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 swing for the chorus let's give him a nice meaty role also it's probably not even doesn't even mean that much to them it kind of no no degrades their resume and and you the one thing i learned from talking to alex was like Oh, they don't want to do one day of shooting. They want to act every day. Yeah. They want to do it. They want to do eight shows a week because they love it that much. And, and with they, Law and Order, you you show up, you do an hour of makeup, you, you run your it's it's the cameras are on for thirty minutes, maybe. They do two angles. They could probably do it in it with two shots because they have so many cameras and so much money. And the, you go home, you make a thousand dollars. You get one little bang on your. So yeah, there is a there is a funny thing about that article, the phrasing of it. Like we are putting food on Nathan Lane's table. <laughs> oh, Do you know what I mean? Like, like there is like yeah, they're gonna be hiring just the the big Broadway. And, and, yeah, there's some like of course uh, this happens on Twitter where like some Broadway star like tweeted like I haven't been on SVU yet, and they're like, don't worry, we're on it. And I'm like, they're uh-huh. huge. They're just they're so famous that I just don't. Maybe I'm they're like, bad film actors. <laughs> Perhaps my acting coach is like I know people with Tonys who can't get a guest star. Sure, on, on they're like Patty Lupone. You can you can play the corpse. You know, it's <laughs> even for the corpse, you're playing too big. Mm-hmm. We get it. You're dead. She like. <laughs> Patty, take it down. Put the tongue in the mouth. Okay, you, you don't have to put actual X's over your eyes. Yeah, well, I, we don't know where you got those from. <laughs> oh God, I she um, stole them off. You know, the, like the 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 font you put on the white sign. 
I, I think it's why you go to SU to all these. It's like these super theatrical. Like you do a good uh, Harvey Firestein. Like Harvey Firestein is like the killer. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, what's your heart? Do your Harvey for um, me. Uh, hello, how are you? Where, where, where were you on Friday night? Where was I? Where wasn't I? <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Oh, you just, um, that's fun. I um. All right, fantastic. Uh, that was I've got some bad news. Now we're gonna go to. Oh, that was so good. Uh, uh this has got to stop. Uh, let's play. Play the the dark blue one. This has got to stop. This has got to stop. All right. That's my. Oh, this is my friend Douglas Goodhart did all these these sounds. I really appreciative. Also, it's a Jewish thing to look at all the downsides of everything. Nothing's ever good. Well, I originally John as, Marco I had thing. I had a lot of podcast ideas, and one was called Kvetch. And my my Jewish girlfriend, she. She she said it wasn't quite right. It was too whiny, and I'm you know I wasn't raised fully Jewish. Actually, You're very Jewish. This girlfriend. is my this has got to stop. So let's get into my this is my this has got to stop. And I'm going to be very vague about this. There was there's just a movie that came out, and it's a non-Jew playing a Jew, and the movie really hinges on the fact I thought that Ms. Maisel was Jewish. a TV show. This is not Maisel. I'm not talking about Maisel because I want to be on Miss Maisel, and I think that one's okay. So. <laughs> I would have. I, and again, no one's listening to this horrible footage of her in Jew face. So now, did you know? Is Matthew Jewish? Uh, I no, I don't know. He is Jewish. I'm just okay. saying, like you're someone. It's not obvious, but you are. You are obvious. Jew. No, I'm so, Jewish. so there's this there's this movie, and uh, again, I if no one's gonna listen to this, so I think I can speak a little bit about it. Where like it's it has a Jewish term as the title, and in the poster, she's wearing a dress with bagels on her it's like it's really just like <laughs> jewy mcjewerson the movie and she's not jewish and i'm just wondering is this fine should i is this a little weird because like again i don't think we, if, if we get too niche then you can only play the small spectrum but, of roles but if i was playing the lead in some ireland drama called potato mm-hmm. and like i was the potato farmer it's a little weird Right, but in her in that actress's defense, to get in character for that role, she probably had to hang out with a lot of Jews, <laughs> which means she suffered enough for that role. Sure, she's she's dealt with the pain. I just think there's they with the Jewish roles, they go two different ways. One, they take a non-Jewish person who looks a little weird, mm-hmm. and they go, "You can play a Jew because you're weird looking," and I don't like that. Or they say if it's a big big role, they say, "Well, we don't want the lead looking too Jewy for this." So they get someone who's not Jewish, and I think both of those are not good. Zac but Efron's you... Jewish. Zac Efron, really? Mm-hmm. Which you're like, I don't see it, and then you see what his chest looks like unshaven. You're like, ah, one of us. He's really, a hairy that's, boy. That's it what makes it you is. feel way better. I yeah. used to think I was I'm, Italian I'm hairy. hairy. Well. I, I used to think I was like an Italian. I was a hairy because my dad's Italian. Mm-hmm. And then I went on Birthright and we did a sports day and we all wore tank tops. And I was like, oh no, I am Jewish hairy. Yeah. Much more focused on the upper shoulders arms, and lower back. Upper arms. It's I shave from my shoulder down to my elbow. It's Really? Yeah. I and if we were part, my dad had like three chest hairs. It, the mm. Cajuns, the Cajun French, not that Jewish, so it must be the Jewish that's so. So I don't have a Jewish face or, or like head hair, but I think the body hair is super Jewish. Yeah, and my mom's Jewish, no chest hair, and yeah. so it's always just strange. <laughs> um, all right, uh, uh, Matthew, do you have a this has got to stop? This has got to stop. I uh, know. Okay, good. I um, <laughs> think about something. Something that's got to stop. Something that bothers you that you're like, I'm so sick of hearing this, seeing this, people doing this. You, there's got to be something that's bothering you social media i just hate everyone on social media i just hate everyone's trying to be no more podcasts no more new podcast no, <laughs> great fair. great fair great fantastic wonderful
Um, just the internet. Oh, you know what I hate? Here's what I hate. Stop sharing things well, this because is not called, This is what I hate. It's called. Here's this has got to stop. stop. This has got to stop. When you see something that upsets you, being sharing it, being like, "Look how ridiculous this is," because mm. that's what they wanted. These aren't people who function out of positive or negative validation. They function out of numbers. How many shares is this? How much engagement does this get? They get paid on clicks. So when you be like, "Look at this outrageous thing," this dumb fuck congressperson with a district of thirteen hundred people said on Twitter, by sharing it, you're empowering it. Yes, got to stop. And that person is that's exactly what they wanted you to feel. Yes. They win. They win by by commenting on it, by engage by fucking looking at it. They win. So just stop. Absolutely. Stop rewarding it. Stop I have a tangential one where whenever something's offensive, like a picture's offensive or a video, like they'll find an old video sketch and they're like this is triggering and bad and painful and they share it fucking everywhere and i'm yeah. like if it's so painful don't share it right now everyone's in this supposed pain yes this was with the cat cohen thing particularly I, exactly. yeah, yeah. no yeah. one was yeah. watching that wasn't this getting is... new views yeah yeah exactly it's on funny or die in the in the archives of funny or die mm-hmm. and now you're like hey look at this thing it's not good it makes you upset it really hurt to see this look too it just feels all inauthentic mm-hmm. russell um, this has got to stop me being fat in the COVID era. Not that there's anything wrong with being fat. Mm. Um, it's just, I, I am not a spokesperson for that community. And I feel <laughs> like it comes up a lot more. As a hero. <laughs> it comes up so much more. I feel like there's some part of me that is still like a little kid where I'm like, like, you know, oh, like, let's not, like, we don't have to dress that I'm fat unless it's like I'm on a plane or like scooting by someone at a dinner table. But like the, 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 the in COVID, for instance, I got COVID in November mm-hmm. and uh, the amount of friends that uh reached out to me was very sweet but also it was like every time i was like you're fat like they were like they were like how are you feeling today i was calling you they every hour so like hey nervous. bud how you and, feeling and so it just has like like brought up a lot of like stuff that you're like you're like in theory cool with but like you're like reminded constantly and i feel like too now that there's like you can like the vaccine is is coming out for people they're like do you know like you can get it because you're fat you know what i mean <laughs> like it's in and in my head i'm like i'm like i don't know i'm i'm i have high blood pressure uh which i do um so i can get it because of that but like in my it, it's just like the really it's like just I like that. Every daily it's like it's like you're fat you're fat you're fat in covid yeah and um even though i've had it and i was actually like pretty fine it is like then even people who get it now or I know someone close to me had it recently and like people someone were contacting I was hanging out with last night because they were like they were like well this person's fat you know like they they don't say it like that but it is that thing of like do you all know each know, other they they made it they're, they're like you made it through do you have any advice to another I like huge the- piggy 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 that <laughs> might that might be struggling with it you know like so it's like this thing where it's like it, it, no one's saying it like that but it it keeps coming up in weird ways and I, so I just am like let's get through this covid era because I'm I'm sick of like remembering that and i don't want to be a spokesperson so i just picture the word at risk spelled (laughs) with instead of a k a cc like thick (laughs) it's like it's the new curvy like i'm at risk oh that's funny so Um, that's mine well i'm so glad you're safe bud now (laughs) do you think now because because all right i want to i want to like speak speak my truth where like when you got coronavirus I, i there was a feeling of like fuck I'm scared. 
Yeah. And like, what do you want people to do with that? No, I'm not saying anyone was wrong. I'm just saying it's just the situation. And uh, it's one of those things where I like to ignore it more and be like, in theory, I am cool. Like, obviously, I'm not like some pretending fat, but you're like, it is one of those things where you're like, I just like, like it is, you know, it's just a funny thing that pops up and, and people don't know how to do it in a way where they're like, you can't call a friend and be like, "Hey, we're just really worried about because you you're because you're, you're fucking huge," you know. Like so, so uh, I'm not saying that anyone did anything wrong. I'm just saying it's, I had a it com- makes me feel. I weird. had a comedian friend die. His name was Kenny Ortega, and uh, there was this thing when I when I tell the story about you know how he got it and he went to uh, all ventilator and died. There's this thing where I notice I always am like, "Well, he was very large." And diabetic. Like, I add that as a thing, like, I need to tell people as if it's like, well, this is why. Yes. And obviously, I, it, it, that was all his jokes. He, I mean, not all his jokes, but he went up on stage, and when he went up two stairs, his opening line was, talk about an opener, made it. <laughs> and that that was his opener, and, you know, he's like, oh, this guy wants to choke me, but I don't have any neck. And, like, that was his. <laughs> but it's just interesting how I, I bring it, I, like, say it, I don't know why, I, whether I'm, like, trying to uh, assure the person, like, well, this death was for a, a logical reason, or, like, mm-hmm. well, he was yeah. at risk, or blah, blah, blah. But it no, is interesting. It it's is- just interesting when, when weight becomes part of like the reality of like a conversation and you don't know how to address it because you haven't figured out how to right talk yeah. about it before oh, yeah. and- did you see andrew schultz's thing on uh covid really killed the body positivity movement mm. <sighs> it was pretty oh, it was good funny. it was really funny yeah um well now we've we've bitched and moaned a lot so we're gonna get to the final moment i know this is the right button it is the purple button please Your blessing. This is you better count your blessing, uh, where we count our one blessing, one thing we're grateful for. And uh, do you have one? Do you want to take a second and I'll tell you mine first? I know mine. Oh, tell what's your blessing, please? I haven't lost my hair yet. You haven't lost your hair yet. Gorgeous hair. You know, this actually happened to me last night. I was put, I was combing my hair back, and I was like, "Is my hairline moving?" And I had a very, I, I, I I've always assumed it would be fine, but your hair seems. I think nothing. out of the three of us, you'd be, I have a you mole. would lose it first. You have a mole. I have a mole right behind my hairline. This just is my little canary in the coal mine. The second that peeks out, I'm like, "Uh oh, Propecia!" That's hilarious. <laughs> That's the canary in the coal mine. Wait, what the fuck did you just say, Russell? About I would be the we first. Had to, if we had to pick one of a. Well, four of us. One of the four of us in the room, I think you... Does it look like I'm balding? No, not at all. I, here's the, be honest with me. Be honest. Don't do, don't do what we no, did to Chris that great. one time. We oh. had a friend. Our friend Chris, his dad is bald. And he came He came from the... He got his hair cut. And he came and I guess the, the haircut person said, your hair is thinning. He's, and he's he, at risk. He... Re, he, like, he came up to us with the thing where he's like, my hair's not thinning, right? And we're like... <laughs> I wanted to do a bit about this. No matter how, no matter how bad toxic masculinity is, no matter how mean we are to each other, no man would ever say to another man that he loves that their hair is thinning. Yes, there's it's it's That's... the line no man will cross. You look, dude. No, you're fucking no. great, dude. Because Char- you got Charlie Brown over here. Like, no. You're like, <laughs> you think? What? Am I balding, Russell? No, not at all. I'm just saying. I'm looking at thickness of hair of I've the always man had in the room. Thick hair. I, I'm maybe your hair shorter. I don't know. I'm just saying if your I hair had looks great. If it someone, wasn't, we wouldn't tell you, but it looks great. It, I if I if I'm having wait, am I balding? No, because we did a flyer 
we did a flyer for this podcast and my complaint <laughs> to the guy who did the illustration i said my forehead is a little big on this flyer and i showed it to my girlfriend and she said it seems pretty accurate actually and i was very upset i'm just saying i'm not i i said gun to my head I, no one actually put a gun. Who would do, I, who would I'm do just this? Saying, like I'm just saying, I'm going to put a gun here. Tell me, is my hair? No, bun to your well exposed temple. I'm just saying, as I look around, they very thick and and I, it's you know, it's great. It's not bad. Here's the test: go to the comedy cellar on McDougal. Use the urinal, and there's a mirror. There's two mirrors, so you can look at the top of your head. You can look at your yamaka spot to see if there's a bald spot oh coming in. Oh my god! It's I feel terrifying. Sick. That's the place to go. Didn't they say your your grandfather or your grand? I forget. It's on your grandma's side. Yeah, yeah they your say it's your grand- mom's dad. Yeah, and everyone. I, I was like, yeah, I think I think about hair loss. Like, well, how's your how's your yeah your mother's dad? I'm like, well, my brother's five years older and lost a lot of his. Like, yeah, but what's your mother's dad? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. the same as his. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So clearly, that's not like the. Yeah, that's true. My mom's dad. He's dead. But did he have hair? I think so. So I'm fine. I mean, you're in your you're 30s. Not you're not you're great. Yeah, you're okay. great. Fuck. I know. I, I'm I don't so even have sorry. a blessing should, anymore. I was no, just, it's fine. No, fuck it. We were talking about it. I thought we, it was just. Yeah, it's very strange that you volunteered of the four men in the room who would go bald first. Who, who has this prediction? Well, you were talking about his, and I was just saying, <laughs> I, I was just contributing. It was like, uh, you know, who gets murdered in a horror movie first kind of thing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah. like if it's there's a new coronavirus that affects like balding people way. more. And then I get those calls. Hey, Jamarco, how are you doing? What the fuck are you saying? Um, well, <laughs> all right, my blessing. It's short and it's, it's very narcissistic. I, I on Twitter. Roy Wood Jr. retweeted me. He's a very oh. he's a very great comic. He's done it a couple times, and, and I just wrote him. Guy. I wrote him, uh, and I was like, "Thank you so much. I appreciate it." And he wrote back, "Like you're one of my fave accounts. Uh, keep keep kicking their teeth into something." And I was like, "Oh, this feels very nice." Roy Wood Jr. is one of those where, like, I've been on a couple lineups with him, uh, but he's obviously uh, you know, a different league. And just just for him to say something nice, and then I heard he he sends he, it was a copy and paste. He sends that to everyone who writes him a message on Twitter. So. I don't believe that. that was a, yeah, it was a joke. Too, oh, right well, that was they went over. No. <laughs> Sometimes I just do it too believable. No, yeah. it was very sweet. Too and it's always actor. nice. It's always... Uh, He's a certified mensch, and that means a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's always... Yeah, it's just like... Of, I'm so cynical, and so many heroes of mine, teachers... used to be a time where like I had teachers who, when they said to me as an actor, like, really good work up there. Like, I would tear up. And all those things, they've been broken. They, I, I hate everybody. But they're still comedians. Like, I have a respect for great comedians that I think will always be there. And if someone who I think is a great comedian says something nice to me, that feels very generous. Once Bill Burr told me I have great hair. He didn't see my set, but he... Uh... <laughs> So yeah, yeah, man, like a weatherman, yeah. And then he said great. to you, he said to you, "Am I balding?" And you're like, "No, Bill, beautiful head of hair you got, Bill." Um, Russell, what's your blessing other than uh, me not killing you at the end okay. of this? Podcast? My blessing, actually, is, his name has come up a couple times, and I want I, Chris, uh, our friend, I wanted to bald Chris. Uh, I, oh, I wanted to my say, God. I wanted to say, I don't even know what his hair my looks blessing like. is, I, I'm gonna get to see him soon. I haven't seen him in a long time. Um, and I, I maybe implied that anyone that went into politics is a psycho, and I don't think his dad is a psycho, and I don't think he's bald. So I wanted to go on record with those two things right now because I'm gonna be seeing him, and um, I'm, I'm thankful for. Thanks his for friendship. using the blessing segment to cover your own shit. I appreciate it. Well, uh, that was. 
probably episode one or something, but this was a lot of fun. Thank you, Matthew Broussard. Uh, anything people should check out? Monday Punday is a big thing you do. Sure. Uh, she does stand-up, too, my, my podcast. Yes. I do with my girlfriend about uh, kind of getting started in stand-up. And I was on an episode. So yeah, first guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Russell, anything coming up for no. you? Okay. <laughs> uh, this is Gio Marcus Arezzi. Uh Thank you for listening to The Downside. Let's hit that yellow button. Play us out. No, oh, the up, oh, fuck. Oh, no, it's the, the other one. Uh, up, upper right. One, the two, non-color. You got to get it wrong every episode. <laughs> <laughs> more going to get it right. Thank you guys. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Gio Marcus Arezzi. Remember, all joy is at someone else's expense. Bye. Keep it crispy. <laughs>